Welcome to the Manager Tools Podcast for Monday, September 18th, 2006. Hi, this is your host, Michael Ozan, and welcome to Manager Tools, where each week we focus on practical steps to become a more effective manager and leader. Now, one of the greatest parts of being a manager is coaching your directs, even if, we'd guess, you don't do it nearly often enough. But you know, if you're one of our thousands of regular listeners, that with a coaching model, we recommend you coach every member of your team always. The reason we recommend this is that most managers think that coaching means training, which it doesn't. For the hundredth time, any manager with the Manager Tools coaching model can coach all of their directs at all times, for most part during their weekly one-on-ones. If this intrigues you, just listen to some of the coaching casts. Okay, but what about when you really do need to be the trainer? What about when you need to come up with a list of resources one of your team has to present to senior execs? Or when one needs to learn how to run a meeting? Or even overcome an objection in a sales call? And you, the manager, really are the most obvious and best resource. Easy, you become the trainer. Now it's not common, it ought to be somewhat rare to be honest, because there's always someone else there to ask for help. But when you are the trainer, how do you do it? In this cast, we cover four easy steps on how to do simple training. You know, I I can't believe you're admitting that every once in a while, managers actually have to train people. It's not true. I was just kidding around. (laughs) Um, You know, when I made that original point, Mike, about managers not having to train everybody, um, I I did it because it's such a huge misconception among managers. I think it's one of the big reasons why people don't don't coach. Managers are afraid they can't do it well or that it's a lot of work, and and sometimes it might actually be to, to train people. But the point is... Managers won't even start coaching somebody uh, because they're thinking that every coaching session is, by definition, some training session, and it's not. the The two revelations uh, about the about coaching that the Manager Tools coaching model reveals for folks are: first, number one, the employee is an adult, and they're responsible for their own behavior. They're the ones that have to own and drive the change. And the second thing is that the manager is only one and usually the last resource available for the employee to use to become more effective. Okay, so to be clear, you are admitting it. Yes, 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 whatever. <laughs> as, uh, as Agent Scully once said to uh, Agent Mulder in the X-Files, sure, fine, whatever. <laughs> I don't want okay. to lose my original point that... Coaching is not training, and I'm afraid that if I start talking about training too much, people are going to be like, oh, I don't want to do that. But the fact is that, yes, yes, I, I, I'm conceding the point, yes. Okay, so now that you've, now that you've conceded, you know, how, how often do you think this actually happens? Uh, um, I, I think it's situationally dependent. I really do. Um, some places more than others depends a lot on, on whether the manager actually did the job that their directs are now in. Um, but generally, I think less than 20% of the time. Um, and really probably maybe not even 10%, but I'm out on a limb there a little bit. If a manager told me she was doing 50% training in her coaching, I'd guess she had a really big head about how good she was, <laughs> or she was developing her team pretty narrowly on the few skills that she has that she's really good at that she should be the trainer for. 
and quite frankly also that she didn't have a lot of time for anything else other than training right well we we don't want that <laughs> so uh, so let's get to it when we are the trainer how do we do it exactly yeah um yeah, let's get let's do the manager tools. Let's be as simple and as direct as possible. The heart of the manager tools simple training model is four steps. Describe, demonstrate, dipstick, and debrief. And that, I, that I, dipstick I, that dipstick step, that's when you, you tell them you describe, demonstrate, and then they don't get it, so you call them a dipstick? Is yeah, that- exactly, yeah. You, you, go, you take over the cast from here, and we'll see how far you get with that. <laughs> um, yeah, think of an oil dipstick, and we'll come back to that. It's, you know, it's, this is one of those darn mnemonics that, uh, that I, I generally don't like, but this one works pretty well. For basically, it's this. First, you tell them what you're going to do. You describe. Then you actually do it. That's demonstrating. Then they do it. Um, and that's you being the dipstick, testing them. And then you give them feedback on how they did, and that's the debrief. It's really that simple. Um, but to, I, w- I want to flesh it out a little bit, and I want to add a preparatory step to make sure everybody learns from my mistakes. Because when I first started doing this, I jumped right into it, and I made some mistakes that, that I don't want them to make. Um, so five key points. And, and we won't use the word prepare. We'll make it sound pretty with another D. And that's, the, that's devise. Describe, demonstrate, dipstick, and debrief. Okay, great. Well, I'm glad you could figure out some mnemonics for this because yeah, I, I had, otherwise I, had I wouldn't to use know what the thesaurus. I admit going to the thesaurus definitely. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Devise. What's yes. this devise all about? Okay, Step there are four one. things. There are four things when when a manager is coaching, and, and by the way, this is all within the context of coaching. Managers don't just don't. We we're not suggesting with this cast that we want to go run off willy nilly and start training everybody, because you want to be very careful about training a specific skill without a larger goal in mind, and that's really what the coaching should be doing. Managers are really good at at uh, good managers are really good at creating relationships, which comes from the one on one. Giving feedback, which is the adjusting of the steering along the way, and then coaching, which is really taking people the next step developmentally. So we're doing this in the context of coaching. And if for some reason you discover as a manager that in the pile of resources, um, whatever step that is in the coaching model, in the pile of resources, you're the best one, the most efficient and effective one, then you're going to actually be the trainer in addition to being the coach. Um, There are four things you need to do in advance of actually having a training session with somebody. Um, and, and to be clear here, Mike, we're not talking about running training sessions as, as a trainer. In other words, like a, as a, in a class. That's a whole different set of casts we'll do sometime in the future. Okay? Well, you're talking one-on-one here generally. Right? Yeah, this is one-on-one. Absolutely right. Yes, thank you. Okay, the first thing you do is you schedule the session. Please, whatever you do, if you're in a coaching meeting and you're talking about what resources and and, and it's obvious that you're the resource, that you are going to be the trainer as well as the coach, um, do not immediately jump into training somebody. There are things to think about, uh, certainly, um, and and you and the trainee need to be ready for the session. Um, If you just assert yourself and say, well, let me just train you right now, the trainee's probably not ready to be trained. Uh, Your direct is not ready for that. It probably takes a little bit of different mindset. Um, In addition, um, scheduling, 
maybe not to you, but to your trainee, to your direct report, uh, it makes it feel important. It makes it feel formal that you're actually going to take time in your schedule to do this. Um, and, and, and that's partially because it partially feels that way because we, so many people have fallen into the trap of only putting things on our calendars that are somehow important as opposed to scheduling time for ourselves to get our primary, uh, responsibilities done as we've talked about before. Um, it will absolutely feel better for the trainee, and you'll be a much better trainer if you schedule time in advance. And of course, you know, the, in order to ensure that they, they get the message, it is important. If you get preempted for some reason, that's no problem. Just reschedule at that time. Don't say, "Oh, gee, I have to cancel," and then leave it at that. If, if for some reason your boss preempts you, um, hopefully you have the guts to tell your boss, hey, can you, can you give me a little bit of a break on this one? Uh, can, we, can we schedule around this meeting? And of course, if you put it on your calendar, on your electronic system in your company, high likelihood that you'll have some defensibility there. Um, but if you get preempted, the key thing is, is immediately when you let somebody know that you've been canceled or you know, reschedule it at that time, that sends a powerful message. This is important. I don't want it to fall out on the back burner. Um, okay, so that's number one. You schedule it. It's sometime in the future. Um, the second thing you do is you limit the time that you're going to train somebody. 90 minutes is probably about as long as you and your trainee will be able to take, Mike. Um, there are exceptions. Um, you know, if you've got two people who have done something, if you've been doing it quite a long time and you've only recently been promoted and you're training somebody who else does it and you all can handle two or three or four hours together, that's fine. But for the vast majority of cases, and certainly if you've never done training where you've thought about yourself as a trainer and prepared for it in advance, keep the session to 90 minutes or less. Um, four one-hour sessions is better than to trying to cram an entire skill, if you will, into one three-hour session. That last hour that you might feel is wasted is actually the thing that keeps you from wasting any time because trying to do three hours all at once, if you're new and the trainee is new, your director's new, it's just going to be a mess. 90 minutes is about as long, but particularly since um, uh, people don't like much more feedback than that. And if you go much longer than that, it ends up being not so much about feedback and about them changing. It ends up being you being sloppy and lazy and taking too long to demonstrate and to describe. All right. It tends to, when you limit it, it tends to make you a little bit crisper in your preparation, if crisper is a word. More crisp, let's put it that way. More crisp. Third, we want to agree with the trainee, with our direct report on the session's goal. I'm sorry, Mike. I need to make a little caveat here. I keep saying direct report. It's entirely possible. Let's say you and you and I, Mike, are, co or are peer managers. It could be that I'm training you or I'm training one of your directs and I'm a resource to you. So it may be, so, so this particular cast also applies to you training an individual for somebody else. So you're not the coach, you may just be the trainer. Um, so, but usually we're talking about somebody here who is a level beneath you or perhaps more than that uh, in the organization. Um, so there'll be some rank, so there'll be some role power associated with the training. Okay. okay. Um, but you definitely want to agree on the session's goal with your trainee. You both ought to know what you're striving for. Uh, you know, it, it may be the skill has four parts and you're only taking on part one in this first session. That's fine. Um, just say that. If you don't, if you don't, if you aren't clear in the first session and there's some question about whether or not you're going to be able to get through all of it or, or whether we're going to try to, try to, you know, swallow it all at once, there's a misunderstanding. 
it's going to affect the ability of the trainee to learn. They're going to have in their back of their head, well, we're never going to get done. I wonder why we're doing it this way. Does he think the last part is going to be easy? Because I think that's actually the hard part. And we're spending so much time on this first part. If you don't tell them, hey, we're only doing step one of four steps here today. We'll do the next one when we schedule part two at the end of this session. Generally, shorter, simpler, more modular, uh, more broken down is almost always better. Um, and if you agree in advance, it'll be easier to celebrate when you get there. Look, if you have an hour and a half scheduled and you finish in an hour and they've demonstrated several times to you and you've tested them a given debrief and they really know what they're doing, stop. You know, that's one of the things about meetings. When you achieve your objective, <laughs> stop. You're done. Everybody go home. Um, so uh, if you agree on the goal, you may get a chance to finish early. If you don't have a goal, you'll just fill up the whole time with whatever. And lastly, this may seem trivial because if you're the trainer, you're thinking, well, I know this stuff well, right? Well, maybe not. Uh, the final step is to prepare yourself. Um, it happens an awful lot when managers don't schedule time, Mike, but, but regardless, I can't tell you how many managers wing it. Um, and, and really, to their great dismay later on, um, take your time, dot your I's, cross your T's, Practice yourself a couple of times. Don't just passively say, I know it. Actually do it and discover all those things you've forgotten because you're a little bit out of practice and you're a little bit rusty. It's okay to be rusty at stuff. You're not paid to do that anymore. You're paid to be a manager. You have a different set of skills. And I know people tell me, well, I'm a working manager. That's great. You still want to look good in the skill that you're training people on if, in fact, it's part of your work. And that means practicing a little bit in advance. Make some notes. Uh, be clear about steps you take. Uh, to tell you the truth, the, the way Manager Tools breaks down our, our podcast with specific steps and so on is very helpful to adult human learning. Again, the more you can modularize it, the better. Uh, be clear about the steps you take, the materials you need, how you're going to approach your subject, those kinds of things. Walk through the four Ds in your mind several times for the topic you're covering to make sure you're comfortable with what will happen or might happen in the training session itself. Yeah, and my, my guess is that, that this is what really distinguishes those who do it well from those um, who have pretty mediocre results. Yeah, it, it, and it's not—it's not a lot of time. Um, it's just—it's it, just the professional way of doing things, which is I'm going to prepare before I go in and ask someone else to spend a bunch of time with me, where I'm going to be sharing my knowledge. So yes, this is the most important step, and done well, it makes the rest of it much easier. Okay, so that's um, devise or. Prepare if you didn't yes. have your thesaurus out. Right? right, exactly. And so, so now on to the 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 four the, the four core Ds. We'll call them. Yeah, we wouldn't want to be P D D D D because then it'd be like P Diddy or something, and that would that wouldn't work, would it? No, <laughs> it'd be easier to. I bet you now people remember it by P Diddy. Yeah, exactly. The P Diddy approach. Oh boy, I put my foot in my mouth. Um, okay. The four D's. First one, describe. And, and, and by the way, Mike, we, you know, we can't describe a hundred different possible training solutions or training instances here. So we're just going to give a fairly high level, but it should be pretty obvious. If you struggle to understand what the four D's mean for something you're training, you're probably training something you shouldn't be training. <laughs> That's why we keep this pretty sweet and pretty simple and pretty, pretty straightforward. Um, Basically, hopefully people see this as very obvious. Um, the first thing you do is describe, before you ask them to do anything, before you um, show them what they're going to do or ask them to do anything, you describe what you're going to do. You describe the skill. 
You know, right. I, and then the key, just to be clear here, you're you're suggesting don't don't describe it while you're doing it. Right. Describe it first. Yes. Yeah, so, so in other words, if I were facilitating a meeting, I'd say, okay, let's sit down and let's walk through what's going to happen. First thing, I'd get here an hour and a half in advance, and I'd check this, 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 and this. I use this checklist. Then I'd go up to the front of the room. I'd pull down the screen. I'd do this, and you say, I'm I'm saying I'm going to do this, but I'm not actually doing it. And that's a you make a key point, Mike. A lot of people smush these first two steps, describe and demonstrate together, and and that's a big mistake. It, what you're trying to do here is give multiple visual, if you multiple representations of the skill of the task. So they're going to hear it. They're going to essentially, they're going to see it or they're going to hear it. Then they're going to see it and then they're going to do it. Um, It's the old medical school, see one, do one, teach one. Okay. So yes, you you describe it. You don't actually physically do it. Um, You know, yeah, you can use visual aids if you want. Um, Something they can hand, you can hand to the trainee, that'd be great. A card that you can give them with steps on it. Major concepts to be considered. If you have a document, a multi-page document you want them to read in advance, please, that's fine. Great. Um, it's also, I find it very helpful to remind everybody, you and the trainee, what the heck the purpose is of this particular task. Sometimes something happens and you've actually achieved your end result well earlier than you thought. If you've actually achieved your purpose, stop working. <laughs> um Think of this step, the describe step, as somewhat more analytical or more classroom, almost as if you're thinking the, 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 the comparison might be uh, we're teaching someone how to build a bridge, but we're in a classroom. Well, you can't build a bridge, an actual bridge in a classroom. All you can do is describe all the math and all the steps and so on. Don't get ahead of yourself. Certainly, if you have supporting materials, give them to the trainee now. They can read and, and listen at the same time. I find a lot of managers, Mike, with stuff that they have behind their desk, they won't give them to people. They'll say, well, you you can borrow it for this session or whatever. You know, if you're really good at something, if you're good enough to train somebody, you're good enough to let the materials go from behind your desk for the few weeks that they're going to be learning it really well. And then if you really must have them back, get them back. Um, But if you act like they're yours and they can't have them and they're special or whatever, they're going to feel like the knowledge is special and it's not supposed to be theirs. Right. Uh, They're going to get a lot more value out of it than yes. you will over the next couple of exactly. weeks. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Step two. Now you demonstrate. It's your turn to actually do the task. If you're training meeting facilitation, now this is interesting. Most people miss this, Mike. They think they can do one on, they can do, they can train somebody on how to facilitate a meeting with nobody else in the room. You can't. In order to train meeting facilitation, you need to actually facilitate an actual meeting. The key word here is actual. Um, mm. Walking them through what you would do is, is much more of the described step. Just because you're getting up and walking around in an empty room is not to suggest that you're actually demonstrating how to facilitate a meeting. The more realistic you can make the step, the better. If you want to train people on how to present to a room, you during this demonstrate step, you would actually present to a group of people. Okay? And, and, and the trainee would be there to observe you and to take notes. You would tell them what you're going to do in advance. Obviously, with the describe, then you would do it. Okay? Now, what that means is it's entirely possible that this is not going to happen. The four Ds would not happen all in one session. Um, for uh, certain tasks. That's absolutely right. It's entirely possible that you'll spend one session describing and it'll last an hour. The demonstration session may be an hour and a half. You'll walk through the the description again real briefly before an hour-long meeting, and then you'll run the meeting for an hour if that's what you're training them on, as an example. 
now, if you're training somebody how to um, work with a new internal computer system, uh, a benefits administration series of, of screens with a graphical user interface, well, in that case, you can describe what's going to happen. You can actually demonstrate, and then they can actually do it. And that could in- happen entirely in one session. But what, we're, what we want to be careful of here is that the demonstration is what actually they're going to do. Don't demonstrate to an empty room if, in fact, you expect them to do it for a full room. It got, heaven forbid you demonstrate to an empty empty room and then you expect them to present to an empty room and say okay you've got it you're fine and then watch them fall apart three weeks later when they actually don't you they forget everything when they're in front of an actual crowd if in fact we're teaching presenting yeah it's a really good point so yeah when you describe that when you, when you combine that describe and demonstrate step um too many managers do it and it just really it, it, it's seen as you rushing and I have, I have talked to employees, to trainees, to direct reports who have said, I kind of wish somebody else had been training me and not my boss. I got the impression he wanted me to think he really knew his stuff. And in the end, I got the impression he really knew his stuff, but not well enough so that I could know it because I don't know it that much better now. That's a tough thing to hear. Yeah. Well, I've also found that if people do... Um both of those at the same time, they both describe and demonstrate at the same time, there's little opportunity for the person being trained to take notes. Great. I totally agree. You can can listen and take notes, but watching and taking notes, um, that's that's fairly difficult. Right. Okay. Now, step three, dipstick, and this is where I hate mnemonics. Um, All we mean here is that after you've told them what to do, and then you've shown them what to do. So they have two repetitions in their head. And I want to talk in a moment about repetitions here in just a second. Um, now it's their turn. They're going to use the skill. And you mean they're going to you mean they're going to do it like yeah. a D, like a- do it. Actually do it. Yeah. You could change this to do it. Um, the problem of I like course, <laughs> the problem with, with making that D do it is that, that that would imply that you're doing it because you're the one describing, you're the one demonstrating, you're the one dipsticking, and you're the one debriefing. We're talking about trainer actions, not trainee actions. Yeah, no, you have dim do it. Oh, <laughs> maybe they will remember P. Diddy, and that'll be better than dim do it. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't even want to think about the mail we're going to get for that. Um, okay. So now you're the dipstick and you're testing their level of performance in the particular skill. You're observing them gathering information that will help them the next time they do it. Now, I want to mention something about repetition here, Mike. Um, And it relates to a story I'm going to tell you just a little bit about Shamu. uh, And believe me, it actually makes sense. Um, (laughs) I can't wait. Yeah, you can't. I know you can't wait. Everybody else is going, he's gone. He's gone off the deep end. Um, um, no, no pun intended. Um, I, I'll never forget the story I heard once of a, uh, the story of the, the apocryphal. I'm sure it's apocryphal. High school football coach who uh, a, 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 a kicker was trying to kick field goals and kept missing. And uh, he said, you know, the coach came over and says, look, you're doing it wrong. And he kept showing him, look, you're doing it like this. You're doing it like this. And the, he gave the kid four or five more views, four or five more pictures in his head of wrong really bad parts of your brain parts of our brains can't distinguish between videotape and actual events if you show somebody how to do something a hundred times wrong they're really likely to do it just like you did it wrong 
Um, so when you describe, when you demonstrate, this is part of what your preparation will do. Um, you want to do it as correctly as you possibly can. You're not going to be perfect, and that's okay. Um, but when you're watching them, if you're not careful, you're going to do what most managers do and look for negatives. Um, I, I cannot tell you how terrible it is to watch a manager when I'm coaching an executive who's training somebody and to watch them coach some, train somebody and to just go and say, well, here's all the things you did wrong. You did this wrong. You did this wrong. You did this wrong. You did this wrong. Now here's a guy, here's a young man or young woman who, who listened to it, described, who saw it, demonstrated, who really is prepared for this moment. Maybe it's all in one session and all they hear is negatives. And that's what we're all trained to do as managers. And it's just dead wrong. You've got to give positive feedback. Look for things that go well. If you've got a checklist, every time they do something well, give them positive feedback on it. Or, of course, wait till the end of the session. And by the way, I generally recommend you wait until the end of a, of a skill or a task before you give feedback. If it's an hour-long meeting, don't be in a Or if it's a, if it's a staged event, don't interrupt them every time they make a mistake. Some people say, well, you want to give them feedback right away. No. Let them finish things as if it was one entire unit and then give them feedback all at once. They'll remember the stuff they did 15 minutes ago or 30 minutes ago. But if you break the flow and they feel like they're always going back and forth from doing the task to getting coached or trained on it, they don't ever feel like they learned the task in its entirety. Positive feedback. I guarantee you they're doing a lot of things right, Mike. Um, but managers just don't see them. Because again, we look for what's wrong. Look for positives. Take notes on the positives. Um, that checklist, again, comes back and, to haunt us in terms of if you have a checklist of 12 things. If there are two things they did wrong, talk about the first 10 things they did right. Talk about the 10 things they did right first before you get to negatives. Now, let me let me tell you the, the Shamu story. Um, you know, killer whales, Shamu's a killer whale. Um, if you've been to one of the Shamu shows, you've seen Shamu jump, what, 20, 30 feet out of the mm -hmm. water, right? I haven't been to a Shamu show, so I'll have to take your word for it. Oh, okay. Well, if you had, 20 to 30 feet out of the water. Now, look, it, 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 I'm sure it doesn't surprise anyone to say, you know what? Killer whales don't, don't jump 20 to 30 feet out of the water in the ocean. They don't. So the question really is, how do they get Shamu to jump 30 feet out of the water, which is a completely unnatural act for a killer whale. So how big is a killer whale? Oh, uh, I don't know, 10, 12 feet long. So probably, put a probably weighs 14 a ton. Foot, yeah, so they put a 14-foot shark in there. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not it. Uh, probably the killer whale would kill the shark. Um, no. Um, what they do, they want Shamu to jump up over a, a rod, a bar that's held up above the water. So... You know what they do? They, I'll tell you what they don't do. They don't hold the bar 14 feet above or 25 feet above the water and say jump. That's what American managers would do. Oh, that standard is 100%. Well, here's 100%. You know what? You didn't get 100%. Shame on you. You're at 98%. Failure, 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 failure. Always focusing on you didn't do it. 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 No, they don't do that. In order to get Shamu to jump 25, 20, whatever feet out of the water, they lay that rod on the bottom of the tank, from the center of the tank out to the side. And every time Shamu inadvertently, because Shamu doesn't know any better when the rod's just first laid on the bottom of the tank, when Shamu lays on that, swims over that broad, Shamu gets a fish. Now that's a goal I can sign up for. <laughs> <laughs> and 
you know what? Shamu swims away and and doesn't doesn't associate the rod with the fish at all, and, and you know swims over on the other side of the tank for a while, and then inadvertently swims over the rod again. Boom, another fish. Uh, swims away for a while. No negative feedback over on the other side of the tank. Just kind of wandering around. Doesn't really know what's happening. But every once in a while, recognizes when I swim over here, I get a fish. And you can see that basically, in fact, there's a videotape of Shamu doing this. It's fascinating. And then suddenly, when you're watching the videotape, you know that Shamu has gotten it. Because now, Shamu is swimming in very tight circles. And every time it goes over the bar, Shamu gets a fish. And, and, and immediately, Shamu, when goes over the bar, starts nudging the, the, the scuba diver down there, handing him the fish. Um, because Shamu knows, hey, I swam over the rod. It's my turn to get a fish. And gradually, over the course of weeks and months, they raise that rod from the bottom up to the top of the water. That's all. Every time Shamu swims over the rod, you get a fish. We don't care whether you intended to or not, you get a fish. You swim over there, we don't care, it's no problem. You swim over in this other part where there's no rod, we don't care, it's fine. Have fun over there, Shamu. But when you swim over the rod, we're going to give you a fish. And then some, one day, they raise that rod out of the water. Shamu figures it was on top of the water and it's above the water, so Shamu keeps jumping and they keep giving it fish. And, you know, that's, yeah. it's amazing. I mean, they've essentially created an animal that can do something that we can't, and, the, and no other animal, you know, no, no wild uh, um, shamu can do it. And the reason is nothing but positive feedback. And the standard managerial way of addressing behavior, I'm not suggesting we're killer whales, we're not, please don't write bad emails to me about how <laughs> we're, not, we're not animals, I know that. My point is, you can get a lot with just positive feedback. And I promise you, managers, the first time you train somebody, you will be looking for things they're doing wrong, when in fact, the vast majority of things they're doing are right. And if they're doing it wrong, any relish you take in telling them why they're doing it wrong, remember, you agreed to train them. They didn't know what they were doing. Anything they do wrong is only because that's what you showed them or what they thought they saw. So you're to blame. So don't take too much relish and give them negative feedback. Yeah, the way we usually do it is the, the equivalent would be every time Shamu uh, swims over to the side of the pool, we stick some electrodes in him and give him yeah, 2,000 exactly. volts Shock of him. electricity. Yeah. yeah, and negative feedback, unless you do it exactly right, negative feedback doesn't necessarily encourage positive behavior. In, in the event you shock him, it just encourages less negative behavior. Um, if you do give negative feedback, and certainly there's going to be times, hey, listen, when you did that, that didn't turn out so well, this happened. Make sure you really lean on that fourth step which is, okay, what are you going to do different next time? Make them own their behavior. Make them feel like it was them that did it, and it was, it's them that's going to do it different next time. That's so critical. Okay, last step, uh, debrief. And there are really two parts to this step. First, obviously share with them the feedback, what we've just been alluding to, about what you observed. Use the feedback model whenever you can. Again, particularly for the adjusting feedback, focus on that step four. So they have to come up with a different way to do whatever it was that wasn't effective. The more the trainee thinks about what they're doing and how they did it, Mike, the better off they're going to be. They've got to own this skill even when you're gone. Then also, this is the step to either celebrate success or to reschedule. Look, if, if they've finished everything, if it was a fairly simple thing you were training and they finish in an hour, an hour and a half, or a little bit longer even, celebrate. Hey, congratulations. I appreciate it. Well done. This is great. Um, you know, you can move on to the rest of the coaching model, whatever the case might be. Um, or... If you didn't finish, because planned or unplanned, for whatever reason, you go back to step zero, which is, of course, our preparatory phase, our devise phase, um, 
and you need to reschedule. And you, I strongly encourage you to reschedule while you're finishing up with the first session. Don't leave that first session without scheduling the next one if there is to be one. Cool. That's it. That was quick. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not rocket science. Uh, now, we make it simple because we rely on the fact that everybody's going to be training vastly different things. And, and this gives them a framework to start off. Um, it is it is designed to help you in those tw- 10 to 20% of the times where you're the actual trainer or when one of your peers says, I need you to train somebody on something. Um, it gives you a framework to work in. We rely on you to come up with the details because, again, we can't know every possible situation about what preparation you're going to need to do and what the goal should be and so on. But just five steps. Devise, describe, demonstrate, dipstick, and debrief. Excellent. Thanks, my friend. My pleasure. See ya. Well, there you go. Four easy steps to simple training. As always, a quick reminder to join us in the discussion forums, www.manager-tools.com forums. Mark and I would love to have you become part of the community there. Speaking of community, many in the podcasting community are meeting at the Podcast and Portable Media Expo in Ontario, California at the end of this month. If you're going to be out there and you want to get together and meet, please let me know. It'd be a lot of fun. Well, folks, with that, have a great week. Until next time, so long.